Good morning, congregation. This is the Reverend Rule, and you are listening to the Grown Up Rock Podcast with Stephen Michaels. Crank it up, turn it up, turn it up. Welcome back to the Grown Up Rock Podcast. Rick Rule from Every Mother's Nightmare. What's going on, Rick? Man, just hanging, hanging, uh, trying to get through the COVID thing. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing the same exact thing. So what's been keeping you busy during this, uh, shall we say, life change? Uh, man, you know, we really lucked out. We were, uh, we rode the grind record for about three years and uh, we came home and we were getting ready to start writing a record. So uh, right when this thing hit, we already been in the studio. We was in the studio for nine weeks, and you know, right when it hit the hardest, we were uh, pretty much waiting on mixes and, and doing album covers and uh, on all that stuff. So uh, we just kept occupied, you know, just come in and just started writing and started figuring out what we were going to do and uh, filling our way and making sure uh, we were going to make it. <laughs> now, have you found any hobbies, personal hobbies, hobbies you do with your family, anything like that, with uh, all these? Uh, uh, restrictions and uh, quarantine to, uh, you know, entertain yourself type stuff? Man, uh, you know, we uh, I've always got a studio here at my house, so um, I'm always in there tinkering and doing that. And uh, I keep a couple of motorcycles around. Uh, I grew up racing motorcycles, so I like to uh, I tinker with that. And, you know, just normal stuff, <laughs> you know, try not to go to jail. And my people really like it when I stay away because I'm hard to live with. <laughs> 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 you're hard to live with and you want to stay out of jail. Well, that's that's pretty good, I guess. That's not too bad, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, when you talk to some of your band members, they bring up the phrase Rickisms. Rickisms, yeah. What exactly is a Rickism? Can you share some examples of Rickisms? Let me think. <laughs> well, I mean, you, just, you never know with me what's going to happen. <laughs> God, I wish I could think of a good example here of I'll uh, go outside and stand around and start chinking with something and we'll be about ready to rehearse or something. And uh, they'll come finally like an after an hour away. Now they'll come out and find me and I'll be sitting in the backyard tinkering, just looking, messing with something. (laughs) 
this Rickism is just tinkering and messing around. If I don't keep my mind occupied, start idling, and that's when we have trouble. <laughs> I hear you. You're somebody that's always got to be doing something. Otherwise, right. you're off doing something you shouldn't be doing, right? I- <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Refresh my memory because I found a picture today going through some of my old pictures when I used to work at a record distributor. I went to a party at BMG and damned if I didn't find an every mother's nightmare meet and greet party at BMG. I got a picture of me with all the fellas back in the day. You guys were only a one guitar player band back in the day, correct? Well, when I first put the band together, I always had two guitar players because I just love uh, I like two guys, man. They can, there's just so much more things you can do. But right when we got our deal, you know, everybody was like, man, you don't need this other guy. We, you know, uh, we tried it. And uh, yeah, I mean, we were just uh, pretty much rip it and grip it back then. You know, we were just wide open. So, but uh, I two guitar. I love a Telly and a, a Telly and a Les Paul together is a, a beautiful thing. <laughs> well, it's certainly better in live situations, but I do remember correctly then there was only yeah. one guitar player back in the day, but now the band has two guitar players back in the picture, which is great. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So you guys bought along a new drummer for this record, Alan. Did you guys happen to haze him when he came in the band? <laughs> no, nah, we didn't give him too much. You know, uh, we were in a really tight, tight spot. Then the original drummer, Jim Phipps, had came back. Yeah. He had bothered me for four months and uh, wanted to come back, wanted to come back. So brought him back. And then uh, right when we got out on the road, he, he, he got a girlfriend and he, he did uh, what he does. <laughs> wow. You know, I love him. I've known him forever. I know how he is. But And we had a, a really cool show. Uh, we played down here in Arkansas in this little town that we just go down here, love to play there. The club's good. It's got great hamburgers. So we just hang out. And um, we had a show coming up for that and we were trying to get ready for it. And we had this one kid come in and we spent three days trying to get him through one song and it just wasn't going to happen. And I was giving up on the show and I uh, called a friend of mine and I just asked him about a drummer and he told me about Alan and I went and hung out with him and uh, you know, he didn't talk drums. You know, he said he'd love to do it, but we just hung out on it. I forgot he was a drummer. And uh, he lived like two miles from me, and I'd never run into the cat ever. <laughs> and um, he just came in, and the first night he was here, we played uh, five. I mean, we blistered right through five. And then uh, at the end of the night, we probably had eight down we could burn through. And then, uh, you know, he just came in with, uh, you know, we threw the record on him. We threw a bunch of live shows on him. We threw about 800 songs on him. And, now, he's just like our long lost brother, man. Uh, me and him are got this little timing thing, you know, your internal meter or whatever. But me and him are real close on what we do uh, as far as timing, just, you know, goofing around and stuff. And uh, man, we just hit it off. And he uh, he plays a little different. He, uh, you know, he's got a good sense of what's going on. And, you know, I, was, I lucked out with finding uh, all five of us, or the only thing that really matters is the song. And that's what we go for. And then, you know, the rest of it comes down the line. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he just came in the studio and he experimented and tried stuff. He's got a great meter. He sings his ass off. Uh, uh, and he's a big old burly cuss, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It's a, the best maneuver uh, that I didn't want to happen, but I'm glad it did. He's, a, he's part of 
of this record and how we're uh, moving on. <laughs> That's good. Well, I've noticed something ever since you guys uh, have been with Highball Music. Is there a conscious effort from Highball and from Every Mother's Nightmare to kind of rebrand the name EMN and sort of get away from the Every Mother's Nightmare moniker? It just seems like there's a lot of EMN branding going on, and, and I was wondering if that was a conscious effort or not. When we first started out playing, our first record, we was going out on the road, and then we, you know, we start going a couple of years in, making a couple of runs in places. Uh, most of the people that we met in knew this started calling us EMN anyway, instead of, I guess, saying the name or whatever. And I, I just started, uh, you know, just, I think, I, I can't even remember what record I started putting it on. I think it was... Uh, Delta Voodoo or something that I just started, uh, you know, putting the EM in and then uh, keeping the Every Mother's Nightmare a little somewhere on the record. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was kind of always what our friends and people we uh, would go see us would say. And, uh, you know, I guess that uh, kind of to me, when uh, when the original band was gone, we had this one logo. And it's probably the first one I started using that Arista made. And uh, and I started using it. And, um, you know, it just kind of kind of stuck you know we're a little older <laughs> i don't know if i'm every mother's nightmare anymore <laughs> <laughs> understandable uh yeah i don't think it's a bad uh, a bad thing at all i was just curious about it because more and more that's kind of how i see it is e- emn versus every mother's nightmare uh you know the, the funny thing about the whole name is we didn't have a name the first weekend we were playing and our old manager threw that out there. I'm just going to use it. We were just going to use it for the weekend. Yeah. And that was, uh, that was, I don't know, <laughs> handful of years ago. <laughs> so it just stuck, you know, um, I guess, I don't know if it's a cool name or if it's not, uh, if it kind of fits, it's not really about what kind of person uh, is at the door. It's just me as every mother's time. <laughs> That's all. Uh, do you have any old uh, rock and roll stories that you can share with us? Well, I'll tell you what we did. My bass player now, Troy Fleming, he's been with me for, I don't know, 26 years probably. But when we were first out on the road, we played his, <laughs> we played the little bar at his hometown, you know, where he used to hang out. We uh, went there and we were having a, we were having a good time, you know, we were playing, doing our thing. And uh, our original guitar player, Steve Malone, he's sitting there and somebody said something to him. He's on stage and somebody in the crowd said something. And the next thing I know, that dude, uh, he just dove off into the crowd. And the next thing I know that uh, the whole club, me, the band crew, we're in this little hallway behind the stage. It goes to the bathroom. You know, it's just a hallway. It goes past the girls' bathroom at the end. Of the, and just about everybody in the club was there holding each other uh, with our fist up, about to beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> and when Troy got in the van, we were talking one night, and uh, we were just kind of talking about stuff, and he was talking about a fight. <laughs> And I, I said, man, when we played at McGuffey's up where, I think up where you was, I said, we got to fight. And he goes, man, I was there. <laughs> and I said, All right. So he was in the crowd uh, during that fight, huh? No, yeah, he was in the crowd, man. Uh, he said, that was crazy shit. Here, so I, said, <laughs> I think it was our one and only fight we ever got into. That's crazy. All right. So the new record was released on October 20th and it's called Resurrect the Faithful. Let's go through some tracks and talk a little bit about the record. All right. All right. So the first song that kicks off the record is Get Away. It's a rocker. Almost at times to me in the sound of the riff, 
it has almost a little bit of a grunge feel and I'm not, maybe it's just the, the chord progression or whatever, but it, that's just kind of what it feels to me. And unfortunately, grunge is the only word I can use to describe it, but it's just kind of a dark, dirty uh, feeling riff to me. Right on. Well, as I said, that, that, that song there was probably, as that's the transition song, you know, you know, we started writing a bunch of that stuff. When we were out on our second record, we watched the grunge thing come in. This will tie this song up for you. When we watched uh, the, we were getting ready to do our second record, or we were out on our second record, we were watching all these bands come in, you know, when that stuff was getting ready to hit. And uh, we were fighting with the record label because they were wanting Lucky Make You Blind. And we're going, no, man, this is uh, street music is coming in. It's got a little harder edge, a little uh, tone down on the money and the reverb and all that. And the uh, thing is, is when we were, uh, I embraced it because, uh, you know, that's uh, I lived on the street. I'm from the street. And, uh, you know, uh, everybody was mad about grunge. But Alice in Chains is one of my favorite bands uh, ever. That whole vibe and, and it, you know, it, that time when grunge came out, it really needed to happen. because We were watering down rock and roll with everything you could do, you know, just like country's doing now. But, yeah, man, uh, it always had a little bit of a grunge thing. And I think this the cool thing about this record, the first thing I told guys, I was like, I want to do this record, but I don't want to do anything like we've done before. Even as something as little and minuscule as the punches coming in or how we attack the songs, everything's just got to come at left field. And and uh, every song, you know, you can hear everything I grew up with or bone everybody else. And I didn't want it to be a heavy metal record or a rock record or whatever. We're just a blue jean t-shirt from the gut rock and roll band. We just write songs we like and, and we feel they're good. And I hope that everything we write should, you know, pay homage to uh, all of the people that, you know, we watched growing up, you know, everything from priest to kiss to, to Charlie Daniels to grunge and everything, you know, that's music, you know, if you ask me. <laughs> well, I think that's fair. I, I think it is a rock record. I think it, uh, you know, it's everything you described. It does hit in different places of some of the bands I know influenced you guys. So you go straight from Getaway into Breathe, and Breathe was the first single.
Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. I like the song a lot. Let me ask you about a line in the song that says, 13 is your lucky number. That's all you're going to give away. What does that line mean? Well, the whole thing was kind of as about this, you know, it was kind of happening during the, when the COVID thing came in and all this. And, you know, we were recording it, so we were keeping busy. But, you know, during the day, for a while, nobody was working. And when they played that riff and we were writing and they, they played that chorus, the first word that came to my mind was just, breathe you know and uh you know it just felt like time you know everybody just felt like they were cooped up and and everything but the whole thing is that my old drummers from uh even lonnie before jim and then jim you know they kind of come in and they want to take and won't 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 but they don't want to put in the work to do the thing you know just saying i'm tired of giving giving away you know I'll tell you what, one thing I've got, 13 is my lucky number, and that's all I'm going to give you. <laughs> you know, the rest you got to work for. Okay, cool. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, well, it only has to truly make sense to you as the writer. I think it's left to the rest of us to interpret our own way, right? Well, that's what I think. I think of, I try to write something that's happened to me or something around me or somebody around me, but I try to write it as vague as possible where you can maybe pick up on where I'm at, but, but at least, you know, uh, turn it into your own situation. And that's probably the most gratifying thing that, uh, you go out on the road and, you know, I had right when this record came out, what, two weeks ago, a week ago or whatever, this one guy called and, uh, or he texted me and said, man, this song right here is getting me through my divorce and, you know, and stuff like that. And, just you know just for somebody to connect with you and and it help them or just make them feel better or anything you know i think that's what you're supposed to do that's what music's about you know i never got into this to play music and feel bad (laughs) yeah no doubt we go on to here's to the ones and to me this song seems like i mean i guess it could seem like you're speaking to soldiers or even public service people from cops to fire fighters whatever all the above is that yeah all the above is that kind of uh the idea there yes sir i'll tell you the story this this every time i tell this story so far i've got choked up because uh we were out it was probably the last couple of times we were out before we started writing a record and we were playing this um somewhere in texas and uh, all day long there's this kid there uh you know there's a couple of people hanging out this kid was there all day and hanging out outside and this and that and, you know we finally met his uh I think one of the waitresses in there was his friend or something. Anyway, I call him Mighty Mike because, uh, you know, he had been over there at the, in the war and all that stuff. And, then, you know, he was riding in a, a Humvee and, and run over a bomb and he lost his leg and he had a big scar on his head. And, you know, he come out and we was talking to us. And, you know, just uh, I just as soon as I started talking to him, you know, I'm a badass. Everybody talks about, you know, this and that. But, you know, them guys over there, it's shoot or be shot. You know, it's life or death. And uh, when I started talking to him, just looking in his eye, you know, he was scarred up. He had lost a leg. But you could tell in his eye, man, he had uh, he'd seen the shit and he had been, uh, he had lost. And he had, and he did all this uh, while I'm running around playing music and, and he, he's watching my back. So, and I grew up in a military family, but that's the first time I really, uh, saw it you know because he said i said man i appreciate uh you know you uh, you watching our back man and this and that and i said you paid a, a big price 
you know, to be free and that. And, uh, and he said, man, he just said something. He goes, nobody cares. And I said, I said, I care. All he wanted me to do all day, that kid sit there till we played that night. When at the end of the night, he hung out and all he wanted us to do is take a picture with him and sign his leg. And, uh, you know, I was like, man, you know, uh, <laughs> that just, uh, puts all your shit in perspective. If you ask me, and it's just, uh, man, it just really struck me when I left and we started writing, you know, they started doing that thing. And that's the only thing I could think of. And I was listening to a lot of, you know, just straight out old time country music. And and then I started just bouncing over to listen to what the new country's doing, just see what's going on. And, uh, you know, every just about every song, you know, was about the guys that I, I'm not saying anything bad. Just every song is about the guys that didn't get home and this and that. And uh and I was sitting there going, man, what about all these guys? Like just like this kid right here that they come home and he said as soon as he got over there, he went in there two days and his his high school sweetheart left him and you know, just just shit, just bad shit. And um it affected me, you know, it's uh Yeah, I think it's uh it's interesting to see how your music and when I say your music I mean any artist music I think it's interesting to see how music affects people in different ways because some people think well when you talk about music affecting somebody it's usually like these uh, artists like you know Bruce Springsteen that everybody's heard of and uh, yeah. some some hit single that you know sold a billion copies or something but the fact of the matter is is that all kinds of music affects people and it can be a lot of bands that people haven't heard of or maybe a band that hasn't sold five million copies of something and so i think that that's interesting to see how that affects and then it also it hurts my feelings when i hear uh this kid tell you that nobody cares and that's really bad that's unfortunate it really bummed me out a little bit and i was like you know, we hung out with that kid all night. We took pictures. We signed his leg. We gave him T-shirts. And um, when I got home, I said, I'm writing this song, you know, uh, for all these guys that come home and, you know, they're having a rough time or they lose their house or whatever. You know, just all the bad shit happens, you know, and, and all they were doing was washing our back and making sure we could be free and do what we do. So I think that uh, I think that it need to be said. And, and the thing I wanted to do the most is all the money that we can generate off of that. Uh, here's the one song we're trying to donate it to the Wounded Warriors. Just something, you know. Uh, yeah. We ain't gonna make nobody rich by any means, but you know, if we can buy somebody, you know, help them, help them out. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'll help. I'll do it. I'll play free shows. I'm trying to. I've tried to get over there and and do whatever because uh, for somebody to watch our back so we can goof off, man, uh, that's pretty uh, pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Now I'm going to go through the next two or three songs because I want to get to one where I've got some questions for you. So the next three songs on the record, Sin in My Heart, When It Goes Away, and the title track, Resurrect the Faithful. All great songs. Let me ask you about Sin in My Heart real quick. What is the sin in your heart, Rick Rule? Well, that's a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> when you wrote this song, what was it? Um, man, um... I would say sometimes it's different things, but sometimes it's my daughter. <laughs> she's 18 and she's me to a T. Arguing with her is arguing with me and it's awful. And sometimes it's just uh, waking up and going, God, I remember doing that. I can't believe I did that. And You know, everybody's got their own little kind of crosses to bear, you know, but mine is uh, I jump in uh, 
feet first and ass backwards and don't really know what to do until I get in and start dog paddling or whatever. Sin in my heart is a lot of things. I've done a lot of bad things. I've tried to fix a lot of things that I did. But when I was young, you know, when you're young, you just, uh, all you want to do is go, go, go and get, get, get. And um, when you get older, you go, man, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> that and the fact that because you're a rock and roll front man, it was God's way of punishing you by giving you an 18-year-old daughter. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're, you're a trip head on that, brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So like I said, when it goes away, resurrect the faithful and next track's on there. And that brings us to Frey. Now, Frey, for me personally, is a little bit different than the rest of the songs on the record. I mean this in the best possible way. I absolutely love this song. To me, this song would be a great single. You know, if there was rock radio today, which there's no rock radio anymore, but if there was rock radio today, Frey would be a great single. What can you tell me about this particular tune? It kind of bounces off my relationship and uh, uh, my guitar player John's relationship and just watching people and, you know, kind of watching the world and everything, you know. It's, uh, the thing, Frey, is uh, I do some uh, welding at this place and uh, they got these cables it's just wrapped up. It's just like steel. A bunch of little bitty pieces of steel twisted and twisted. When you bend them a certain way, they get these things on them and they stick out and you grab them with your hands and it sticks in you and it hurts like all to be damned. And we call them, it's a fray. <laughs> I was just thinking about that, thinking about people in John's relationship, my relationship, and just other people's relationship that I seen go different ways and, uh, and it's kind of, it just kind of reminded me, of, it always hurts, it's terrible, and it'll eventually go away, but, you know, it's on there, and it's just like, you know, something you got to go through, uh, something that's going to happen, uh, you know, it's just a fray, it hurts, and, uh, you know, somewhere, sometimes you, uh, me and me and my woman, she's been with me a long time, she's put up with more crap than a woman should ever have to deal with, but, uh, you know, uh, when I started putting this song together, I was just talking to her about it, I was like, sometimes you, uh, even relationship, you you get lost and you don't know. Uh, time goes by and you really forget about shit and, and this and that. And, uh, and you, you get that little prick in your finger and it hurts and uh, it all brings it all back. But uh, it's just relationship, just uh, love. It don't even have to be a love, like a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, just uh, any kind. They all go uh, bad. And sometimes you just, uh, you know, I've had plenty of friends that I lost and don't know why and just kind of drift away. And uh, I love the line, somewhere we got lost in the fray, you know. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, that was where I was at. When I was, uh, You know, we're barely hanging on no matter what we say. Somewhere we got lost, you know, and you're always trying to maybe fix or hope you wish you wish you didn't. I don't know. It's just uh, relationships and people. That's the hardest thing in the world to figure. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's a great song. No time, no time 
that leads us to Sorry Today. Sorry Today sounds like a great song to unload stuff off your chest. That's it. <laughs> I love the line, I'm sorry today, I got something to say, don't mean the things I do or say. I mean, it almost sounds like a confessional, maybe an apology to somebody. A lot of people, sometimes I think it's not, sometimes when I say I'm sorry, because, you know, some, when I'm doing this, you know, and I, I wrote this record in in my house with uh, uh, people living here. And uh, so it's, you know, it's kind of hard to live with. And, you know, sometimes I get into this and, you know, I'm a kid or whatever, come up and, and I'll be into this. And, uh, you know, that's all I think about. And then I got to go back and say, you know, like I said, I am number one, I will blurt out something. And it'll be six feet in there and I can't grab it and get it back. So it's out there. And I always tell her, I said, man, you know, when I'm in there apologizing and taking my ass, ass kicking, uh, I get wound up and say the thing that's the worst just to, to win the battle. Yeah, the whole thing is a kind of a confessional, you know, and it's kind of about uh, sometimes people do things to you they don't realize they do, and uh, it makes you lash out. So, you know, it has kind of hit a bunch of little things in there, but, you know, I'm sorry. I don't mean what I do or say, but I've got to do this, and I got to make this happen. I got to be this way and uh, I don't mean it. And when I'm done, I'll give you a kiss and you'll we'll like me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That leads us to unstained. This is the longest track on the record at five Oh eight. This song definitely has an Alice in Chains feel. Right. That intro is like something that belongs on dirt. The whole first part of that uh, song. Yeah, man, that was when we first started playing it, you know, it was, that was probably one of my favorite bands through that whole section, you know, them two guys. The whole band was incredible, but Lane and uh, I can't even think, but the guitar player, singer, man. Jerry Cantrell. Yeah. God, what a, you know, just a, the harmonies, the way they do things. And mm-hmm. I, I embrace that. I love that. You know, and when we started playing that, I just, you know, I'm going to do me because I'm only going to sound like me, but. You know, there's definitely a their anger and their low tone. Uh, the song uh, it, it needed that and it called for it. You know, and I didn't, I wouldn't rip it off. I just figure I'm paying homage to to those guys and uh, and I love them for you know showing it to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I never think of uh, things that sound like certain things as ripping off unless it's just like it sounds like a particular Blame. song. <laughs> yeah, you know, and sometimes if it sounds like a particular song, but this isn't this isn't that. This is more of what you just said, kind of an homage to Alice in Chains. It definitely shows the influence, especially there's uh, there's like the the dual harmony vocal thing on the, you know what I'm talking about, so... Yeah. yeah, so that's definitely a cool tune that reminds me of that a little bit. And then that, that comes to closing out the album with Drowned by Love. And I love the feel of this one. I like the double time on the course, and then it kind of slows in different spots, which I think is awesome. Anything you want to tell me about this particular tune? Well, I'll tell you two things. I don't know if you want to know them, but one night we were just, uh, it was, we were talking about just going to the store, and uh, we were just sitting here in the practice room jamming, and I don't know, Bone was doing something, and we were kind of tinkering with it a little bit, and I just said, hey, Bones, this ain't got any gas in it. We were talking about an old truck of mine that was sitting outside, and we all started laughing, and the next thing I know, you know, he started going in there, and the uh, first thing out of my mouth, I said, I'm rolling down the freeway, and I got three lugs on one wheel. <laughs> 
and uh, it was off. You know, uh, that was probably the first song we wrote for the record. I think in like 18 minutes we were finished with it. You know, it just one of those things that fell together. And uh, but the song is a, a friend of ours came over here. He's in the. Um, you know, we talked about him in the second verse, but uh, he was telling us a story about these things. They're called fifis, and I don't know if you, but in jail they sell rubber gloves. These guys sell rubber gloves. You know, one pack of rubber gloves to whoever can afford them. <laughs> and they put hot water in them and they, that's their girlfriend. And they call them Fifi's. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> they call them Fifi's <laughs> or Phoebe's. That's what Phoebe Cates is where it came up. And I, we were talking about that. He was over here telling us the story. And uh, it was the same night and it all just kind of fell in together. Where uh, I said, What do you do if it busts? And somebody said, Drown my love. And I said, we wrote it. <laughs> wow. That is an interesting story, my friend. <laughs> That's uh, perfect for this show, by all means. <laughs> right. You know, and uh, we were just kind of talking about it. like the whole song kind of sounds like we're going to the drive-in of a store or something, you know, and uh, so we just made it kind of kooky and hokey. And, and we kind of just, uh, we started the record. We took it through the, the whole passage of things that happened to us and, and at the end of the day, we're still just rednecks at the end of the line playing rock and roll music, and we're drowned by love. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It's definitely a windows down on the car type tune. I like it a lot. Right. Well, awesome, Rick. Uh, anything that we didn't talk about that we need to talk about? Man, we got this new little documentary out. It's called Here's the Ones. That's right. I checked that out. It was very good. I don't guess you would call it a documentary or whatever, but this is more of a you know, I've seen a lot of those things that are real long and they're real technical and a bunch of stuff like that. And, and Bill asked me to do one and I was kind of scared of it. But I said, well, let's do one, but let's do it like maybe 30, 45 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead of doing a, a documentary from the beginning and the end of the band, because that would be a whole day of <laughs> of uh, something you don't want to see, probably. <laughs> but I just said, let's do a little time capsule. I just want to do a, a thing of this band doing this record at this point in time, you know, 30, 45 minutes, a little bit of insight on the studio, a little bit of insight on how we write, and a little bit of insight on how stupid we are, <laughs> you know, just a little insight on the band. And, uh, and you know, quick to the point where you're not sitting there watching, you know, Gunner and John do solos for 45 minutes or something. And, you know, just, uh, and you know, give it out to the fans if they like it. You know, that's cool. And when I seen it, I really dug it. I was like, you know, it's, you know, it's like, it's what I wanted. It's just a time capsule. This point in time, resurrect the faithful, how it is, how it did, here it is. And thank you for buying and thank you for hanging and uh, all that thing. And we're going to do like six cities where we just go do a little show. We're going to do a screening of of it. And then we're going to get up and play just a set of the new record and, you know, maybe a couple of songs and then just hang out with whatever fans come out and hang out and just have a fan night and like six shows and, uh, and appreciation and thank everybody. And uh, just get to hang out and talk and not be about, you know, a big show and in and out gone and whatever, you know, just, I think that's a fantastic idea. Actually. I, I like that idea a lot. Uh, I watched the documentary exactly what you said. It was straight into the point, 35 minutes of, uh, behind the scenes on the record uh, insight to the members of the band, insight to your writing process, and that was it, and it was great. Uh, and I think the idea of screening that documentary, playing a few songs, hanging out, maybe taking questions from audience or fans, whatever, 
I think that's awesome. What is this already lined up? Well, the city right now is so daggone hard to do anything. Right. I know we got, we're going to do one here in Memphis and, you know, just uh, the rest of them are going to, you know, places we like to go, you know, uh, but, you know, anywhere we can do it, we got a a couple that are, uh, I know we're doing one out where uh, uh, Bill lives in in Baltimore and uh, we're going to do one here in Memphis and, well, there might be more of them. Uh, Right now we're just trying to do something a little different because, you know, I've had, I've been doing this a long time and. I've had people that have came every time I've been to their town. There's a bunch of of friends that I've met, but every time I've ever been to their town since I started back in whenever they've been there and different people. And uh, I just, uh, for somebody to spend their dollar to come and see us play, I like to go do stuff like that. I like to spend time every night. We usually go hang out with the crowd as much as possible, whoever we can, because, you know, this is what this business is about. You're doing this, for these people and then uh they spend their money to come see you and buy your stuff and come hang out and talk to you so i feel you are to go talk to them and not you're not being uh, an ass and treat them bad because you uh, think you're something you're not or whatever and uh that's i just want to do a, a lot of this uh with a little tour and everything just to you know thanks uh you know give some giveaways and do some packages and uh, Maybe just go out and go to somebody's house and eat or hang out with them. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know. just get out there. All right. Yeah. Fair enough, man. You want to go with us? <laughs> yeah. I'm absolutely, sign me up. Either that or come to Atlanta. Right. Well, see, that was what the towns were wanting to do. My boys, uh, Randy, Mike, and them are down there still playing. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah. I'll, ju- I'll jump back out on the road. Hell, I'm an old road dog. Why not? <laughs> right on. Once it's in your blood, you can't get it out. <laughs> All right, Rick. Well, is there anything else that we didn't talk about? Well, man, I would just like to thank everybody, uh, everybody out there for uh, all the, I mean, the support on Breathe the video when it came out uh, a couple weeks ago. Man, uh, just blew me away. I was sitting there at the, at the end of the day when the video came out, and I was like, man, if we break, you know, a thousand views, uh, I'll be excited. You know, I was going to be happy just a thousand. And man, we just uh, after three days, we. Uh, I think we're at uh, 167,000 views. Uh, so I want to thank everybody for that, man. Uh, we really appreciate it. I hope you like the video. That is a low-budget video, actually. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I think that it, it's true to the thing. I just want to thank everybody for that. I want to thank everybody for going to our website, uh, emnrocks.com. And uh, if you hear we're playing, come and see. Come with an open mind and just uh, let me bitch about what's been happening to me for the last couple of years. And then you can go home and feel better about yourself. <laughs> I'm going to tie the links to the documentary, the links to the EMN website, the links to pick up the new record in the show notes of this uh, podcast. So we'll make sure everybody can get a hold of you guys. Right. I wanted to thank you because, man, we've done this a couple of times and, uh, you know, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to an old Southern boy. (laughs) I appreciate it, Rick. I appreciate you coming on the show. As I said, I go back to the BMG days way back when. So it's a pleasure to get to hang out and talk a little rock and roll with you as always. Right on, brother. (laughs) Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. Oh
Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.